Hello everyone, my name is Glenn Gao. I am the marketing partner at Clear Ventures, a venture capital firm that is purpose-built to help startup teams win in business technology and services. Welcome to Clear Disruptors, a VC talks with tech leaders, where I talk to innovative thinkers, entrepreneurs, and inventors that will shape our future. From the sharpest minds on the cutting edge of technology, you will learn about the disruptions that will transform the way the business world works. And now, on to our show. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Ajay Arora, CEO and co-founder of Vera. Ajay is building the next great security company for a world without borders. He is a serial entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience in enterprise software. Ajay holds a master's degree in computer science from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. Ajay, it's great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks so much, Glenn. So how does Vera describe themselves? Vera is a next-generation data security platform focused on protecting information no matter where it is in the world. By attaching security and policy to data, companies can now have complete visibility and control, regardless of how the data is shared or stored. So, Ajay, I have to admit, I was a little bit skeptical when we were going to talk about security. There are many, many, many security companies out there doing a lot of different things. And yet, you convinced me in our discussion earlier that you have a different vision for where things are going. So, share with the audience what's going on now in terms of security and and What's changing that we should be aware of? Uh, that's a wonderful question. And so what I'll tell you what is going on with security now is that it's broken. <laughs> and uh, just to, <laughs> just to your point. everybody would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at it, and the, the reason why there are so many companies is because uh, no one's been able to get it right. And, uh, and a big reason for that is, is that uh, people are and companies and organizations and, uh, and vendors like myself have been looking at security with the same lens that we have been for the last 30 years. And uh, the problem has fundamentally changed uh, at its root, at its base. And if you try to use the old world solutions to solve new world problems, you know, we're obviously going to end up in this, this world where we're throwing good money after bad and not actually addressing or solving the new problems that have arisen. All right. Well, let's start is, with let's start with what what's the old uh, paradigm? Uh, the, the the old port paradigm is is very very clear. So again, if you look at the last thirty years of security, uh, the model has always been whether you're the government or you're an organization or you're an enterprise or whatever you are. There's been this notion that you can build a secure wall around your organization, and fundamentally, when you're looking at this. Uh, when we talk about cybersecurity, let's talk about the security that, you know, what, what are you trying to protect? Now, whether it's your, uh, your network or your applications or your platforms or your devices, end of the day, it's all about the information that all those systems access. Sure. And that could be files, it could be emails, it could be any of those different Employee things. records, um, secret <laughs> NASA files. Exactly. Exactly. Your personal thoughts, your financial information, your design specifications, your intellectual property, all those different things. That's what security has been fundamentally 
there to, to protect in the, extent, in the, in the sense of, uh, of cybersecurity. Now, the last 30 years you know, was based on this model that I'll build a wall around my company. The, the, the big bad world is on the outside. I build a moat around my organization and I have my information safely tucked away on my servers, in my data center, and uh, all, the, you know, all, all is good. And uh, in a world where there was really a limited way for information to escape an organization, it actually worked. Um, so what would happen is, is you'd have these things like firewalls and DMZs and all these different things that are there. And uh, I, the, the breaches, if you think about 10, 15 years ago, and they were few and far between. And what would happen is, is that there would be a breach. Someone would figure out, okay, um, after the fact that something went wrong and, and somewhere in the wall, they'd patch up that wall and, uh, and they'd move on. And uh, they, they would do that again and again as the breaches would happen. And, um, you know, they would really be on a limited kind of, kind of basis. And if you think of it, part of the reason was is because 15 years ago, there was no iPhone. There was no Android devices. There weren't any you know, Internet of Things. There wasn't Dropbox and Box and G Drive and OneDrive and all these other different ways for data to escape the enterprise. You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you had a, a laptop and maybe you know, when BlackBerry was king of the mountain, uh, you had a couple of ways to be able to access your data. In fact, um, if you were you know, someone who worked in enterprise, you would pull your hair out trying to figure out how to get data out. Right. And you'd have to go and talk to someone in IT and you know, they'd give you some complex you know, secure FTP site or whatever to go and do it. And you just said, forget it. Right, right. All, yeah, yeah. So, so, so back then, the, the data was limited in where it, it's, it was stored and therefore it was easier to build a wall around it. That, that's absolutely right. And so um, the, what we call the data loss vectors in an enterprise or in a government, they were pretty locked down. They were pretty limited. Um, but you, when you fast forward, uh, and, and really, you can actually almost pinpoint exactly when all this happened. Uh, it really comes down to the advent of the iPhone, for example. I was going to say, 1995 yeah. sounds like a good that, year. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when this all changed was when people got their hands on um, uh, personal devices. So, and, and, we, and I saw this firsthand, and a lot of people saw this firsthand. Someone to get their shiny new iPhone or their new iPad, um, and they walked in and they walked and especially executives in the mahogany row would go in and say to their IT, I want my personally, I want my email on, on this device. I don't want to use my Blackberry anymore. And IT did not Blackberry. like that at all. They, they did not like it. And guess what happened? They started, people started thinking, oh, well, if IT is not going to help me, I'm going to use all this other stuff that's available for me. Um, Dropbox, Box, all these different, you know, personal email, Gmail, all these things. All of a sudden, this world in which data couldn't um, escape was all of a sudden at your fingertips to get out of the enterprise as much as as fast as you wanted. In fact, uh, enterprises started calling it the Dropbox problem, and they they made it equivalent to a black hole. As soon as data leaves, you know, their servers or their their corporate devices, it goes into this black hole. And this invited this coupled with um, the, the just the multiplication. Uh, an acceleration of other devices and, you know, so-called what we're starting to call the Internet of Things, all these different devices that have Internet accessibility become data loss vectors. So right, what right. happens... So, so in some cases, the data will never reside behind a wall. There just isn't a, a wall for it to reside behind. That's correct. The, the whole notion of uh, a, a wall or a perimeter or a moat 
is anachronistic, right? It is something that is no longer uh, relevant in today's world, especially as we enter this world of pure cloud-based technologies or even hybrid technologies where you're leveraging both public cloud infrastructure as well as private data center infrastructure. The notion of a wall is, is no more. But, but, but so, let, me, let me just uh, question that because if uh, I know that if I want to put my data up in the cloud, I have to go with a vendor that tells me that data is protected. We're, we're not going to let anybody come in and steal it. So I have to feel confident that there is a wall even in the cloud, even if it's not, if it's not my own data center. Yeah, no. So, I mean, the, 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 where, in, where data is actually stored, right, and, and who's storing it and what they're doing with it doesn't imply that there is necessarily this in, impenetrable wall to, to get to it, right? Because if you think about it, uh, breaches happen whether a wall exists or not. True. Right? The, idea, the idea is that, you know, if you get a phishing attack or a spear phishing attack or you get some, you know, uh, if you get a... Um, uh, a malware attack, or even if you just have a bad actor. I mean, if you look at someone like Edward Snowden or someone who's who's who has access to data and they leave the organization with troves and troves of this kind of information, no wall is ever going to protect against that. That's right, right? That's right. So um, you know, you know, fast forwarding to why things are the way they are. If you look, think about it, you know, last year something like in the U.S. alone, sixty billion dollars was spent on cybersecurity. This year is estimated to be 75 billion in the US. By um, 2020, it's supposed to be in excess of 100 or 120 billion dollars. And what enterprises are waking up to is that even though the, the we're accelerating the spend on cybersecurity, uh, the frequency, the pure volume, the implications, uh, the repercussions of tax are only snowballing. And they're realizing that uh, trying to solve the problems um, using the methods of the past is no longer a feasible option. And what it points back to is that when you talk about firewalls, when you talk about um, reactive kind of technologies, this is exactly what the state of cybersecurity is today. So we can't keep and, up um, uh, that's right. from the attacks and we can't keep yeah. up from the dis- dissipation of data. Yeah. Yeah. You know, imagine, you know, whoever it was, that guy had put his finger in the dike to stop right. the, the right. water from... Uh, you know, like uh, flowing through, what happens when that there so many holes pop up that you no longer can keep pace with plugging all those different holes? It becomes a non-scalable, non-tenable option to be able to figure think that you can build a wall that is self-repairing fast enough to stop these breaches. So there has to be a different paradigm, and that's what you know. That's what it is that we that we do, um, and, uh, and it's our position at Vera as to. You have to look at this problem in, in a different way. All right. Well, let's so talk about that, that. What is that? What is sure. that different way? Sure. So, you know, now if we, you know, we postulate that we live and we do live in a world without digital borders and enterprises without perimeters and governments without perimeters, how do you protect the data, the information that is most vital to you? And going back to something I said earlier is that you know, whether it is the network, the perimeter, the application, the platform, the device. The, co- we, the common denominator among all that's being protected is, is, is the information or the data itself. So our, um, our method to be able to do this is say that perimeter or that wall or that moat you once tried to build around your organization, you need to collapse it down to the actually what you're trying to protect in the first place. In other words, you take the security that you once tried to build around your company uh, or your government and you collapse it down to all the different pieces of information that you want to protect in the, in the first place. So imagine creating a bubble 
or putting a leash or, or a lasso around every single bit of, uh, um, of your data. So no matter where it goes, whether it's inside your organization or external to your organization, you can control who gets access to that data and what they can do to that data. Well, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question about that. So let's, let's sure. imagine an employee leaves your company. They, they take data they shouldn't take. Um, and the first thing they do is they copy it so you don't even know where it is. So what happens in that scenario? So uh, now we'll get, you know, specifically in the way that our technology works is that, um, uh, first of all, you, you can go ahead and prevent anyone from even copying that data. Um, so we put protections around it. First of all, you can say, look, I don't ever want the standard to be copied. I'm not going to allow for that function called copy to actually happen. So I can't even secondly, take it in the first place. That's right. So secondly, if they, if they copy it and if it's been in the kind of protections we put on it are things like you know encryption and access control and uh, what we call data and use policies. All those travel with the copy. They, it's not as if you can strip the protections from the data just because you copy that data from a file, change the name of the file, try to do a, a direct bit-to-bit -bit copy. What we do is we will make sure that um, that uh, you know that, that that any of that data once it's protected can never be unprotected unless it's done by someone who has the the, the permissions to be able to do so. Okay, so I'm, I'm protecting it at a super granular level. That's right. right. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. That's exactly right. So I'm not protecting so you, the whole castle. I'm protecting each gold nugget inside the castle. In, in a way, yes, absolutely. So securing that data, having that security travel with that that information data wherever it goes, giving you the visibility to see what and things are trying to happen to that data, and ultimately giving you the ability to uh, kill access to that data, revoke access to that data, um, no matter where it is in the world. So. Things like what happened with Sony and the North Korea hack, things like what happened with Snowden and the NSA hack or the OPM hack where 25 million records were stolen. Imagine this kind of capability um, in those scenarios and those kind of breaches would have been rendered moot. They well, would for, never those, for those who aren't familiar with all of those, let's use the Ed Edward Snowden hack. So he stole lots and lots of, I don't know how many, lots and lots of files from the NSA and then he shared it publicly. That's so right. How, that's so right. How, how would it work if if Vera was involved? Uh, that's a great that's a great question. So first of all, the inter the interesting thing about uh, Edward Snowden attack, no security measure of the past firewall you know wall would have ever worked to prevent that attack. And I'll tell you why. First of all, he was a privileged user and ac had access to that information, so he was easily able to take that information, put it on um, uh, a USB stick or whatever and walk right out of the NSA with it and completely start piling up that information on the servers, jump on a plane, go to, you know, to Russia or wherever it was, and give access to that, that, um, that data to whoever he wanted to. This is very similar to what the, you know, the North Koreans did with the data that came from Sony right. on the Sony hack. Same thing. Um, now, in the, if you enter, enters Vera technology, right? Vera security, what we would do is that, first of all, all that information that Edward Snowden had taken, first of all, would have been protected with our security and our control. So that means we would have that data encrypted. Um, we would have, be able to control who could get access to it. And even once they got access to it, what could they do? Could they copy and paste, print, screenshot, all those things? So one day, Edward Snowden is a, is a trusted contractor for the NSA. He has that data. He can open it up and he can do whatever he wants with it. Put it on a USB stick, walk out the door. 
Um, the next day, you know, when we, we, we find out, hey, look, Edward Stone is no longer a trusted member or he's trying to access it from somewhere that he shouldn't be. He should only be able to access that information from within the walls of the NSA. The second that he tries to double click on, on, a, on a file and open it, the first thing that happens is, is that that data will so-called phone home to the NSA and say, hey, look, this particular person on this network outside the NSA is trying to access this bit of information. And we would full stop right there and say, no way are we granting the um, encryption keys to de decrypt this data. And um, basically, the terabytes of data that you'd have um, once you left the, the NSA would be rendered completely useless. It would be garbage data. Wow. Because, you know, once it's phones home, it realizes, wow, someone's trying to access the data from outside of where it should be or a user who's no longer privileged to access this is doing that. And not only that, a lot of information would go back to the NSA as to where this is happening um, to allow them to instantly pinpoint something is happening, you right, know, right. to that data. Beautiful. Right? And so... Yeah, that's so, exactly how it would work. Yeah. So when when you and I spoke earlier, we, we you had a few other examples that I thought were compelling. Why don't you share a couple of those with us? Yeah, you know, um, there's some one one really interesting thing is when you build a solution like this, you know, you don't necessarily postulate all the different kind of possibilities that um, uh, that where you're applicable. So one example is a uh, the CEO of a publicly traded company um, working on pro forma financial data for earnings report, fat fingers and email. Accidentally sends a whole bunch of material around their financials um, externally. Um, literally the next day, it shows up um, in uh, in the media and has an instant impact on uh, the stock price of um, uh, of uh, of that publicly traded company. And after that happened, they mandated that this will never happen again, and they need some kind of solution to make sure that even if data gets out accidentally, which by the way um, is far more a problem and leads to um, data uh, breaches than anything done nefariously. Really? User error, user error is, yeah, I mean, one of the dirty little secrets in the security world is that most data leakage doesn't happen because of a bad actor, internally or external. It usually happens because of user user error. Oh, wow. And, um, and, uh, and you know, as vendors, we don't like to, to highlight that because generally speaking, that's not, that doesn't cre create that, that fear that you must have action because, you know, how do you defend against human error, right? So that is really how most data gets out. But in our case, in this case, even with that humor, that that error, if it got out and someone at the Wall Street Journal or the you know Bloomberg tried to access that data, even if it got into their hands because they weren't a privileged user or was outside the corporate network, it would have just been garbage. They would never have been able to access it. So that's one scenario. You know, flip that. It, you know, it's a completely different world. Uh, you know, we we work with um, guys in media entertainment world. You know, for example, um, they're working on news stories or documentaries where uh, they're very, very sensitive sources and very sensitive materials that they don't want to get into the wrong hands. And sometimes, you know, uh, in the hands of uh, even even people and uh, bad actors that are trying to stop those stories from getting out or or potentially reveal the sources that are at it, get at the sources. So protecting that kind of information for makings of making of documentaries. Um, Etc. In a completely different world, out of financial services or the uh, public, uh, you know, publicly traded company, uh, you know, we're we're protecting against. So the problem itself is not is not bounded by verticals in, in different industries, um, sizes of the companies. It's a universal problem that we've seen play out, you know, across the board, even to the day. You know, most recently, obviously, 
we just had our first cyber election that um, for all intents and purposes, many experts believe was the victim of hack and was influenced by a hack. Right, so this right, pervasive right. problem that requires a new way of looking at, uh, at security. And our, and our position is, is that um, there has to be a new paradigm that has to be both proactive and not reactive and has to look at the information and protect the information directly that you're, you're trying to uh, control as opposed to trying to build these theoretical walls. Well, Ajay, we're running out of time, and uh, your examples are fantastic. They really help me understand the value of this. And it, it strikes me that um, even even if we were able to build bigger, better walls, uh, everybody seems to keep losing that battle. And so even even if I could keep all the data in one place, I, I need to protect it at the granular level because it's it's going to get hacked. There's, somebody's going to get access to it either intentionally or accidentally, and if I can protect it at the at the data level, and I can get rid of it if uh, and or make it make it unpenetrable, if I find out it leaves or it's in the hands of people who shouldn't have it, that's extremely powerful. One hundred percent agree, and you summarized it perfectly. All right, Ajay, we're out of time, so um, I really appreciate you sharing this with us, and uh, this really is a disruption on what's happening in the world of security, and I wish you tremendous luck. Thank you so much and really appreciate the time you've taken as well and the opportunity. All right, Ajay. Talk to you soon. See you later. Thanks. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about Clear Ventures, visit us at clear.ventures. We look forward to hearing from you.